This movie, First Man, would be great if only we ever had actually gone to the moon. <laughs> well, here we are talking First Man. Better late than never, I suppose. And uh, I just want to say that I saw this movie in IMAX, and I feel like this movie is a must in IMAX. Um, obviously, it's a little late for that now because the movie has come and gone, but I had the uh, the pleasure of seeing this in a booming giant theater, huge screen, intense sound. And that's always going to color your opinion of a movie um, because you're going to be wrapped up in the spectacle, in the intensity of it all. And, of course, I was joking about the moon landing um, <laughs> at the start. Uh, I will say this. I don't fucking know. I Sure, I guess we went. Makes sense that we would go. Um, I don't know what... I, I, I don't know enough about any of it to say one way or the other. Um, I largely don't trust the government, but I think this one... Uh, I think this would be a, a hard conspiracy to cover up. So I'm going to go ahead and say, sure, we went. I was uh, just fucking around at the beginning there. But... Um, Man, this movie's intense. I saw, you know, I don't want to bury the lead on this. I think the first thing I want to talk about is the whole American flag thing. People are really mad about it. So if you're not familiar with First Man, if you're not familiar with what's going on here, obviously they get to the moon at the end of the movie. And at the end of the movie, there's this, always this footage that we see you know, the footage that was filmed by um, Stanley Kubrick on a soundstage, you know, that footage. <laughs> no, but seriously, w- the footage we see in the, at the end, uh, what we always see is the flag and the guys bopping around on the moon and all this shit. It looks pretty fake, to be perfectly honest with you. Now, that's not to say, again, we didn't go. But that footage kind of looks stupid. But anyway, in the movie, the footage looks way better. It's beautiful. It looks incredible. And it's pretty amazing that people focus most, a lot of the criticism was this distinct lack of the American flag being planted into the lunar surface. So personally, I don't give a fuck about that. I don't give a shit. Um, I don't. Because Newsflash, if you haven't seen the movie, they show the American flag at one point on the moon in one of the shots. Now, one of the things the movie doesn't do is it doesn't paint any of these guys. Well, specifically Neil Armstrong, as Ryan Gosling depicts him. You never really get the impression in this movie that this is being done because he is massively in love with his country and he just desperately wants to he just desperately wants to do this for America right you never really get that impression um a lot of it there there is of course some of that you know the space race is part of the subplot well i guess you'd say it's part of the main plot but you never really get the impression that this movie that he's doing this because he is doing it in in his in his main purposes, oh, for the glory of the United States of America. You never get that impression from Neil Armstrong. Now, again, as I've already said, I don't know much about the actual Neil Armstrong guy. 
I don't know much about his actual motivation. I have no idea why he did it. I don't know what he was thinking. I'm sure there are interviews, but look, I'm, I'm doing a 30-second blurb on a movie I saw. So I'm not getting into Neil Armstrong's background. I'm not going into all that. I'm just taking the movie for what it is. So if I judge the movie by what the movie shows me, the movie's showing me that this man, Neil Armstrong, had a obsession with his work. And his obsession was damaging to his relationship, and it tested the limits of his family. And in the beginning of the movie, he loses his daughter. And it's a very, very gut-wrenching, heartbreaking, tragic moment. And, you know, this, this whole time, she's been, the, 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 the spirit of his daughter has sort of been lingering over a lot of the things he does. There's a lot of memories of her dotted in throughout the movie. And you never, I never really ever felt like, oh, he's totally doing this because he is an American patriot and all he wants to do is go to the surface of the moon. He just is so interested in beating the other countries to the lunar surface and that is his motivation. I didn't get that impression one single bit. I'm also not sure if that motivation is really good enough for a lot of people, but not a psychologist, drink, so I couldn't say one way or the other. I don't really know if it was. I don't really know if it was. I don't really know if it is. Uh, it's, like the, it's like what you hear about people who have, uh, from combat veterans. You know, a lot of times when you hear them discuss fighting, they're not over there thinking of the American flag. They're not over there thinking about, <clears throat> excuse me, they're not over there thinking about, oh, yeah, man, I can't wait to liberate this village because America's awesome. I don't think they think that at all. Um, in fact, most of what I've heard from people I've talked to and most of what I've heard from people that I've read about or heard on podcasts say that's not even entering their minds whatsoever. That might be part of what gets them to enter the service or that might be part of what gets them to join NASA but the motivations become very personal. <clears throat> they have to, right? I don't know, it's up my throat today, sorry. And it means that the motivations have to be personal and they have to connect with you on a deep and emotional level to drive you forward into the ability to want to push on despite overwhelming odds, numerous failures, multiple casualties, um, this applies to both the space program and, you know, war, conflicts. And you can't just turn and look at the flag and go, but I'm, but I'm doing it for old stars and stripes. I don't think that really motivates people in those moments as much as people might think they do. I think a lot of people are motivated by whatever is personally affecting them in the moment. And that is, that is, that is to say the intrinsic value of the thing is what makes you feel good about the thing. Uh, like, like I was saying with the combat veteran example, one thing you hear is, you know, I was fighting for the guy next to me. And I think that's a lot of times what it comes down to. You get out there in the situation, things get hairy, and you and all of these guys that you have bonded with, all of these men that you've been through hell with, that you'll never bond with anyone quite like you did with these guys in this example in the military, right? 
and somebody's shooting at them or worse, somebody's already killed one of them. Suddenly the motivation becomes clear, obviously survival, and then to fight for the guys next to you, to not let them down, right? I don't think in those moments you're thinking about some politician somewhere who says, go USA. I don't think that motivates you at all. So I guess what I'm trying to do here is smuggle that ideology or that thought process into the NASA one, which is I don't think Neil Armstrong if the movie has any indication as to his character whatsoever. And, you know, I probably should have read a couple of interviews um, with Neil to see how he felt about the movie. But, you know, that's obviously not going to happen. Wait, isn't he dead? He died in 2012. What am I talking about, right? Yeah. So clearly, (laughs) clearly Neil Armstrong is not going to be interviewed. He's dead. I'm pretty sure he died in like like 2010, 2011. I guess I could Google it. Let me Google it. Neil Armstrong. Here we go. August 25th, 2012, dead Cincinnati. Eh, there you go. So I guess he, I guess he will never know what he thought of this movie <laughs> unless he froze his head like Disney. Anyway, so I think a lot of people and I think a lot of people who are, I think a lot of people wanted to see this crescendo from the music. I think a lot of people wanted to see this moment where he slams the flag into the lunar surface and and suddenly it is this wonderful statement about America and what we were able to achieve as a country and maybe you could say that this making this film Neil Armstrong's personal journey maybe you could say something along the lines of well you've sort of robbed the glory for lack of better terms from the people that surrounded Neil Armstrong, from the country proper. But I just didn't see it that way. Um, I didn't see the setup that way. I thought the movie showed us clear motivation with Neil, and it was amazing to watch. And that was something that was very emotionally impactful for me. I'm not a father, and I know I saw the movie with some fathers who were affected, of course, by the daughter's loss, affected by this moment, and I know I was, and of course, I'm told it would, I would feel much stronger for it if I didn't, but um, it worked for me. So it was, it was an emotional, it gave me goosebumps, it was intense, and um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was heart-wrenching at times, this movie. And I think that so much of this movie being a focus on an individual character, which is Neil Armstrong, because let's face it, I think you sell a movie better that way, this kind of movie. Obviously not something like Avengers, because that, that works as an ensemble. But something like First Man, I think, I think it might work. I think it works better if you're trying to tell an individual's personal story to focus on the individual and tell his personal story. I don't think it works if you focus too much on the fact that it's an ensemble or a team effort. I think if you want this to resonate with people personally, to show the internal struggles of the man, you have to focus on the individual man. And I think Damien does a good job of doing that, right? Giselle, I believe, is the director. And yeah, I mean, look, the cast is incredible. It's got Ryan Gosling, Claire Foy as his wife. Uh, Jason Clark is Ed White. Um, Kyle Chandler as Deke Slayton. Corey Stahl as Buzz Aldrin. Patrick Fugit as Elliot C., Christopher Abbott as Dave Scott, Syrian Hines, Olivia Hamilton, Pablo Schreiber, 
Shea Wiggum, and the list goes on and on. Lucas Haas, <laughs> nice. Lucas Haas of uh, witness fame as a little boy. But, but the end of the movie, and, and I know I'm spending a lot of time talking about the end of the movie, but I just think it's such an important moment. I didn't want to bury the lead. And that's just to address these criticisms. I just didn't care. When I first heard about it, I'll be honest with you. I thought to myself, oh, this is some sort of weird. They're trying to depoliticize this as much as possible in an attempt to, I don't know, appeal to a wider audience that might not have that same, that might not have those same feelings about the United States, right? I'm sure there's some guy sitting at home with his USA hat on and he's, you know, 74 years old and he was in some sort of armed conflict and he was upset because it seems like there was a distinct lack of focus on the United States' part in this space launch. But goddamn, I didn't see it that way. I, I said to my friends after we left the theater, <clears throat> because this was such a, such a sticking point in this movie for so many people, even myself, when I heard, I was like, ah, this is cheesy. Are they, are they, are they intentionally depoliticizing the movie? Are they literally not showing the American flag because they're trying to appeal to a wider audience? Is this some sort of marketing thing? so I was a little skeptical about that, but I was excited to see the movie. And no, it isn't. I said to my friends when we were leaving the theater, I said, hey, fellas, I think the good old U.S. of A. gets a real nice dick suck, a real nice one in this movie. USA patches everywhere. USA here. We're in USA there. We're talking a little bit about USA. We're talking about getting there before the Russians. We see, spoiler, we see the flag on the lunar surface. There are so many shots of Armstrong on the lunar surface at the end of the film where that big, giant, stars and stripe patch is visible on his shoulder. It's not like they're deliberately shooting this to not show you this. They don't do that at all. I think for, for us in the movie, I think for Neil Armstrong, once he got to the lunar surface, he had that little trinket from his daughter who had passed away. And I think it meant so much to him to take that thing and leave it on the lunar surface somewhere. And, and I know that having seen everything he'd gone through throughout the whole movie, the training, the other astronauts dying on test flights, getting burned alive, horrible fucking shit, terrible trials and tribulations that these men had to endure just for the chance to get to the lunar surface. All of this stuff. Now, not just that, Again, the personal part of the story, so much stress on the relationship, so much stress on his remaining children, his remaining children who are wondering, based off all of the terrible things they're hearing about, if their father is going to come home. That is a horrible feeling for a child, okay? And then you have all of the strain on his wife and their relationship and him just being emotionally vacant because he's obsessed with the work. And I get that. I get that. I understand what that feeling is like sometimes. Obviously, the stakes for me are a little bit smaller, but I understand being really wrapped up in projects and really wrapped up in work and having to take a moment to reflect, but still knowing that the job is not finished and wanting to finish the job despite everything that's happening around you and knowing that you have this thing in your hand from your daughter, this, this piece of her, 
so to speak, that you want to deposit on the lunar service as a tribute to her, as a tribute to a life that is not, that, sh- that will never be lived. The tragedy of the death of the youth is brutal, right? They never get to experience this life. They never get to know all of these things. And it's, and it's the worst fear of any parent. The inability to feel like you can protect your child has to be humbling and tragic and horrific. And he gets to the surface, despite all of this shit, despite all of these roadblocks and all of the internal and external forces driving down on him. And I don't want to make him sound like a victim because he makes his own bed, to use a dumb parlance, to use a dumb expression. He makes his own bed. He decides to do this. He makes a decision to continue to do this, to continue to subject himself to this stuff, to say, yes, sir, aye, aye, captain, I'm going to go. I'm your man. Let's go. And really just leaving his wife to figure it out and hoping that when he returns, that she'll be there. And when he gets to the planet, he gets to the planet. When he gets to the lunar surface, the moon, There's this amazing moment where he turns and he looks at the earth and you see him go up to this crater. He deposits the thing down in the the trinket, as I've described, he deposits it down into this, this crater, I guess. And in that moment, it feels real. You feel like this is earned. You feel like, Good Lord, all of the shit that this man has been through, all of it, and he is going to do this thing. He's going to do this tribute to his daughter that was taken from him tragically at a very, very young age. And it feels wonderful. Obviously, there are other guys on the surface collecting their their stuff, but we see this moment alone with Neil Armstrong. We focused on him the whole movie. And we, we kind of isolate him on the surface and we have our camera just watching him and imagining what he is taking in, in the moment. And we have a couple of flashbacks of him remembering his daughter and his family and all of them looking up at the sky and dreaming and imagining and wishing. And it is amazing. It's an amazing heartstring. And you feel it. Now, if you were to take that moment and turn and focus on the planting of the American flag in the lunar surface and suddenly make the movie about that and what, and, and take Neil Armstrong and make it about that and that's why he did it, I think it almost feels kind of artificial. I think it would feel kind of artificial. I don't think it would have the same impact. And some people say, well, they could have done this moment where they planted the flag and it was this you know, great moment and we could say, hurrah, America. And then he turns and he has his solemn moment alone on the lunar surface, depositing his daughter's keepsake as a tribute to her. But I don't think that works. I don't think you can have these two big crescendo moments, so to speak. I don't think you can have the, you know, the bright, lovely, beautiful music and say, ba-ba-bum, ba-bum, and boom, the flag goes in. And 
we go, okay, cool, but, but, but what's Neil thinking? Because he never, in any of the scenes leading up to the end of the movie, he never sat there and thought to himself, I want nothing more than to plant a flag on the lunar surface and go up there for my country because that's what motivates me. He may have thought that, but they didn't show that in the movie. And that, the, that criticism, sure. If you want to say, well, blah, 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 sure. But I, I stand by the fact that I think people get more personal with their motivations to do great and amazing things, unless they're sociopaths, okay? <laughs> Which I, I won't comment on because I don't know enough about. But I'm sure I've seen a few out there in the, in the corporate world when I used to work in the big corporate world. I'm, I'm sure I've rubbed elbows with a couple of sociopaths and, and watched how they operated in the office. I don't think you're going to get the same emotional impact like you do in this movie if you turn and make it about the flag. I don't think it works if you do a double climax, which I saw had been written about. I just don't see it. I don't see you turning, planting the flag in the lunar surface and then turning and trailing off to do this thing for your daughter. I just don't think that works. I think the movie really worked for me. I enjoyed it a lot. I would highly recommend it. It's a solid like. I don't know if I love it, but it's a real solid like for me. It's really good. And I'm telling you, it, you know, it's, America gets love. America gets its love. They show the flag on the lunar surface next to the landing craft. They do in a couple of shots. And they hold on it for a while. And it's a far shot, but I think the far shot works in this case. And I think it works because it shows the vastness of the lunar surface in this American flag, small, next to this landing craft. And you see it, and it's not in great detail, but everybody watching the movie knows it's there. Everybody who had heard all of the criticisms, or at least all of the discussions surrounding the American flag, recognize the flag when they see it. It's just not this giant, low-angle shot up at the flag with the earth behind it in this real uh, Americana kind of bullshit shot way. Because the movie wasn't about that. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not. Yes, they're all Americans. Yes, the American space program got them there. Yes, yes, yes. But at the end of the day, America is made up of individual people. And if individual people don't do shit, then nothing is celebrated. And the individual that overcomes all of these odds that we focused on for the whole movie gets to have his moment. And that moment is not about the flag. That moment is about his daughter. That moment is about him overcoming and probably wondering in those moments as he's standing there looking at the earth from the lunar surface. By the way, that's always a mind fuck to me. I always think to myself, if I was standing on the lunar surface in my spacesuit looking out at the earth, I got to believe a wave of panic would wash over you for just a moment. Everything you've ever known ever is down, is over or next to or on that tiny little blue speck that is so far away now. And in the cosmos, not that far away, right? I mean, we can see it from the surface of our planet. In the cosmos, it's nothing. But by every other human measurement on Earth, it is a fucking haul. It makes you feel so insignificant when he turns and he looks at the Earth. You know, that's one of the first things he does is he turns and he looks back at the Earth. 
But the shot in question of the flag is there. It's obvious. You can see it. Everybody can relax. The flag is there. The flag is present. They just didn't make a big hoopla of the flag. Instead, they decided to focus on the story of Neil Armstrong. And Neil Armstrong was motivated by other things. And I think that's realistic. I think that makes utter sense to me. I think if you're watching a war movie and you see guys fighting and they are, watch any scene in Saving Private Ryan where the men are fighting, in that moment, they're not thinking, let's win America. We want to plant our flag or we want to help the French raise their flag and liberate their village. Dude, they're fighting for the people next to them. They're fighting for the people huddled and hiding in the houses. They're not fighting for some weird glory. Now, maybe that's part of it when they return. Like I said, maybe that's part of it when they join. And I don't want to speak for everybody because I'm sure there are some out there that do. But to everyone I've ever talked to, it's always about the guy next to them because that's what matters in that moment. You know what I mean? And that's that. Now, you could argue it might be a little bit different if we're talking civil war, if we're talking people literally getting uprooted out of their homes, invaders going into either a southern or a northern home to attack it and rot them out. Yeah, that gets a little bit different, right? That becomes, this is my home. That's a different principle. I'm fighting for my home and maybe my family, or maybe it's just your home if you live alone. That suddenly becomes a different principle, right? But I think when you're dealing with the lunar surface, guys, I just don't think it really matters that much. It would be it would be kind of bullshit if they didn't show the flag at all because then they would be intentionally masking something that's so obvious. There's three things on the lunar surface. There's, well, more than three. But there's the craft, there's the flag, and then there's the men. If you don't show the flag at all, you're deliberately obfuscating the fact that the flag is on the planet. Now, because the radio, because the TV broadcast showed us the men putting the flag in the ground, and because that's something we have focused on in our culture for so long, I think part of the expectation was that we would do that again. But I like the angle of taking it personal. I like the idea of making it something a little bit different. And Gosling is great, man. I, I tell you, I like this guy a lot. Some people think he's sort of monotone. No, man. I think it's, you know, Gary Oldman is a good example of, of an actor that I really like, especially a lot of his older stuff. And Gary Oldman is bombastic. He's big. And he's still a good actor. I think he's a great actor. And it's, Gosling is almost the opposite of that because he isn't like that. He has this reserved way about him with these moments of incredible intensity. And he's always been that way to me. I think Drive is a great example of how awesome he is in that movie. The way I look at it is, I almost think of it like drummers. I'm going to use a weird uh, musical analogy here. Gary Oldman is, like a, is almost like a metal drummer, right? And metal drummers are phenomenal. They're, they're fucking great. You know, if you take um, the fuck's his name, What's the Slayer drummer's name? I don't remember. I think it's um, Lombardo. Lombardo. I don't Dave Lombardo. Dave Lombardo is an amazing drummer. And it's obvious he's amazing. Watch him play. It's fucking chaos. It's utter madness, right? The way he can play so fast. But then you take a guy like Carter Beaufort 
from Dave Matthews. That's more like the, that to me, that's more like the, um, <laughs> that's more like the Gosling. There's a lot of subtlety going on there. And if you listen and you watch it, his expertise becomes very clear, but it might not be as obvious as if you're watching Lombardo. I'm comparing Lombardo and Beaufort. This is hilarious. The Dave Matthews drummer and the Slayer drummer. <laughs> but I think you guys get my point. I think it's obvious when you watch Colton, like, wow, he's so intense. Holy shit. Whoa. Or like an Al Pacino. Wow. We. Holy mackerel. But then sometimes you'll get a more subtle performance like the Daniel Day-Lewis's of the world when you watch something like There Will Be Blood or you get a Ryan Gosling like in Drive and you see a much different subtle performance that's got more nuance to it than some of the more bombastic stuff. I guess what I'm trying to say is that Carter Beaufort may have more nuance than Dave Lombardo, but they're both incredible drummers, you know, top of their game, these guys, both of them. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say when it comes to, when it comes to Gosling. I think he's really good. I also love Kyle Chandler. I, I, I dig this guy a lot. I, I was, you know, I wasn't a, um, what's the lights show? <laughs> Friday Night Lights. What's the light show, dude? Friday Night Lights? Yeah, it's the one. I was not a Friday Night Lights watcher. I hear it's amazing and I would be willing to watch it. But I started to, he's in Manchester by the Sea. But in Bloodline, he plays Johnny Rayburn and he's amazing in it. Now, Truth be told, he might get overshadowed a little bit, a little bit by, um, what's his name there? The guy who's in, in like, in, who's like, he's like every villain now. Goddamn, this is pathetic. M- Mendelssohn, Ben Mendelssohn, Ben Mendelssohn. By the way, if you like Kyle Chandler and Ben Mendelssohn, you need to watch Bloodline. The first season at least, and I think maybe the second season, one of the third season is horrific. It's terrible. It really is is bad. But um, what was I getting at? Oh, I was just saying Mendelssohn's good. And Kyle Chandler's good. I like Kyle Chandler. I've come to like Kyle Chandler because of Bloodline, because I missed Friday Night Lights. But Gosling is awesome. Um, the cast does a good job. And to see the training, the intensity, again, the IMAX experience was really something. But I have a very strong recommend for this movie. It is excellent I highly recommend you watch it. It's it's a little long. It's two hours and 20 minutes, maybe. You know me. Lately, my runtime patience is really growing thin. And I think it's just because I'm doing too many podcasts. That's, that's the reality. I'm doing too many currently. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to say, I'm going to wrap up first, man, by saying it's a strong recommend. I would highly recommend you see it. It's a high, high like for me. Close to love. And... Relax about the American flag. America gets its dick sucked off a lot in this movie. It's great. Don't worry about that. Don't let that keep you from seeing it. It's excellent. But you got to get a, you got to have a pretty decent sound system, right? If you got a big screen TV, the, the TV speakers will not suffice. You need one of those sound bars or some sort of uh, five channel thing. If you can watch it with some friends who have that, I would recommend it. I think you really get to feel it makes the men sometimes feel so fragile when you hear the equipment and the explosive power of rocketry all around them. You start to realize how how fragile you are as a person and how the thought of going into space is just utterly insane. <laughs> you know, you really, you know, a lot of science fiction 
and this isn't, but a lot of science fiction makes it feel antiseptic and easy to get into space and no big deal. This, just just trying to get off the planet, you feel the awesome strength of gravity. You feel the awesome strength of science trying to overcome physics, and it's, uh, it's, it's impressive. So check it out. I like it a lot, and uh, I think it's a kick-ass movie. Next on the agenda. The Real Quick Podcast is going to be taking a hiatus. So obviously, First Man is coming out late. Obviously, I'm struggling to keep up with the demands of uh, the Real Quick Podcasts. And um, sadly, that's, that's just an unfortunate reality of things right now. Um, so I do still work full time. It's only four days of work, but I have four days a week, but I have extended hours. And project wise, I just am kind of overwhelming myself. And I think it's affecting me in a negative capacity. Um, so I want to be, I want to be very realistic about my output capacity. I want to be uh, realistic about my work-life balance and I want to be realistic about other projects that I am doing that take precedent. Um, I have three days off a week, but on those days off, I do a lot of work for the podcast. I also have to do other responsibility things, you know, like dishes and walk the dog and try to focus on my health and all this other bullshit. Long story short, I think I had a, I had, I, when I, when I launched the Real Quick podcast, I didn't anticipate doing some of the other things that I, that ended up taking precedent. And one of those happens to be an actual play role-playing podcast that I have been working on. Now, if you are a member of the LSG Media Illuminati, you're distinctly familiar with these episodes. We sit down, me, Jessica, Josh, Josh, me, Jessica, Josh, and Jake, that's a lot of fucking J's, and we do a role-playing game. And we're currently playing the game Monster of the Week. If you are an actual play podcast fan and you listen to things like the Adventure Zone, I believe they played Monster of the Week. In fact, I know they did. And we are also playing Monster of the Week, but it's for members only. Um, eventually, we're, we will launch this show. Um, that's a long ways off. I have a lot of, uh, again, with commitment, I don't want to overcommit to something I can't deliver on, and I don't want to overcommit a bunch of other people on something where uh, lives rapidly change. And a lot of people's lives are in flux right now. So I'm, I'm a bit remiss to make that a public guaranteed here's when we're going to do it thing. So right now it's just available to members with the, with the we can bail on it if we need to at any moment and come back to it at a later date if necessary. Long story short, when I launched the Real Quick Podcast, that wasn't a thing yet and it quickly became a thing and it quickly started to become a thing that requires a lot of work. Um, editing, and, uh, editing a role-playing game podcast is very challenging because I have... I have Matt as well. Jesus Christ, did I leave Matt out of the equation? He's going to kill me. Jessica, Josh, Jessica, Josh, Jake, and Matt, and me. So I get five people I got to edit. It's um, it's a much more of a storied production. It's not this sort of off the cuff, I can just go and, and do minimal editing. And then there's the writing and shoring up the story in between. And it becomes a challenge. It really becomes a challenge to go, I should be editing that episode that needs to be released before we meet again, but I have to do a real quick pod today, which means I have to watch a two and a half hour movie, plus do everything else, record that, release that, and then turn and edit it. I just don't have the time. I'm pretty much 
where I am max in terms of production right now. We're also working on another little side project. Matt and I are actually reading Dune and we're doing like a little book club bonus thing. So there's that, which is easy because we can kind of just do that as we want to. And it's really a short thing. It's going to be like 10 or 12 episodes. There's that. And then there's um, every month I like to do the Tamulus talks. That's something I love doing with my friend, Nate. That's a blast. We're already planning our next one. And um, he's got the ro- he's got the uh, he's got the uh, podcasting bug, which I love. I think he's really falling into it, and that's exciting. And I like doing that. Those are are a joy to me. So I think sadly that means in terms of what needs to be trimmed down, I think it's the real quick podcast. Sadly, that's not to say I'm taking it out of iTunes. It's going to stay up there. That's not to say I'm not going to revisit it in the future. I I very much will. By the end of this year, I'm going to know how much projects I can dedicate myself to in the future because I will know money-wise how much I can stop working at my day job and, and ratchet it and you know ratchet back a little bit. Um, but right now, as I as as all of my days are for dedicated to the podcast and even some of my work days are, clearly I'm I'm always trying to engage with people and stuff. It's it's a ton of work. That's the reality. And I'm not complaining about it. I'm just setting up realistic expectations. So it, that means for LSG Media in the near future, we're going to be continuing the science fiction film podcast. Of course, that one will be there despite all of them. I have a Game of Thrones podcast coming soon. That's another big commitment. I know it's only going to be six episodes, but still it's six weeks of commitment. I have a, um, I have the X-Files podcast, which is every other week, which is great, but it's a commitment. I have the Harlow Falls role-playing game podcast, which is once per month. But it's a big commitment on the days we're not recording because it requires research and reading and storytelling and and actual writing of plots and shit. So there's that and all the editing that's involved with that. And um, I have the bonus episodes that Matthew and I do. Every other week we do a bonus episode. So, I mean, that's five kind of projects I have going right now. We averaged 200 releases last year, which um, which is pretty crazy. If you think, no, no, wait, no, more than that. We averaged, was it 200? Some, somewhere around there. I think it was more than that, actually. I don't even know. But my point is, it's becoming a problem. And what I don't want to do is sit down on this mic for the Real Quick Podcast and just mail it in. Um, so I'll keep it in the feed. I'll tell you to stay subscribed to it. And um, once things settle a little more, once I get a better handle on the future, and I can see about projections going forward as far as... Um, you know, how things are going to play out in the future with my time, then I will look at possibly revisiting it. Sadly, for now, I have to put it on an indefinite hiatus until I can uh, carve out some time and dedicate myself to it a little bit more. Because as it stands, I'm just not doing that. And it's not fair to you guys, and it's definitely not fair to me. So hopefully you guys understand this decision. BSG, that's another podcast we do. Jesus Christ, I do a lot of podcasts. Um, so yeah. That's where it stands, and hopefully you guys understand that. So the quick hitters for now are going to go on hiatus because other projects are taking precedent over this one that have been established for a while now. So with that, I bid you all a farewell, and I hope you enjoy the episodes as they are in here. And please know that the Real Quick Podcast is not going to oblivion. It will stay up. It will stay paid for. It will stay available for download and for listening. And um, it will be revisited in the future 
And uh, when that is, I just can't say. So hopefully you guys understand. But in the meantime, if you want more content from LSG Media, God knows there is plenty. You, you probably can barely keep up with it, to be perfectly frank. You got a science fi- again, science fiction film episode every week. Every other week, you got a bonus episode. Every other week, you got a Battlestar Galactic episode. Every other week, you got an X-Files episode. Every month, you're getting a role-playing game podcast episode. Every month, and sometimes a little sooner, about a month, you're getting a, a Tamulus Talks, which is a great off-the-cuff show for us. So look, there's plenty out there for you to consume. LibertyStreetGeek.net or LSGmedia.net. I prefer the former. That's LibertyStreetGeek.net, where you can find all of the stuff that we are doing. Game of Thrones is coming back. That'll be seven. So yeah, it's getting a little crazy. It's getting a little unwieldy. So um, so that's the decision. It's a tough one, but I feel uh, I feel justified. I don't feel guilty about it. I feel it's the right move. So that's that. Thank you guys very much. We will catch you on the flip side. memory of the first time. I was attending my niece's wedding and was at the sink in the men's room when a wet spot on the front of my trousers caught my eye. An unwelcome contribution from my bladder. Fortunately, I was wearing black and with my jacket buttoned, no one would be the wiser anyway, but for me, I knew it was time to see a urologist. Want to laugh during life's most embarrassing moments? LSG can help. Go to libertystreetgeek.net. Podcasters will give you a reason to wet yourself.